of Matthew, Matthew chapter 6, and we're going to try to cover two verses tonight in our Bible study, and again, we want to put this into context of the rest of the passage, and we will try to do that. Verses 22 and 23 in Matthew chapter 6 says, The light of the body is the eye. If therefore thine eye be single, thy whole body shall be full of light. But if thine eye be evil, thy whole body shall be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in thee be darkness, how great is that darkness. Now, what Jesus is doing here is he is going through, and as we have set this up, he is dealing beginning of the Sermon on the Mount with the Beatitudes is what we call them. Those are the things that God wants to work in our lives. If they work in our lives, they are going to make us the salt and the light of the earth. Salt preserves. Light allows us to keep. These are the things that commandments in the Old Testament law. What are you doing with all of those? So he spends the rest of chapter 5 building the case that the religion, the truth that Jesus was bringing was not changing, not doing away, not throwing away God's law, but was actually the fulfillment of God's law to the degree that God wanted. We are no longer worried about just not killing another human being. How many times have you heard somebody say, I should just kill that person? Aren't you glad it didn't happen? I'm not going to ask you how many times you've said that about another human being. Uh, that is not good. But you see, as long as you did not actually stop that heart from beating, you obeyed that commandment, didn't you? If you didn't obey that commandment, chances are you wouldn't be here tonight to hear the sermon. Anyway, but Jesus said, listen, there's a lot more to not killing than just letting that person live. He said, if you really obey that commandment, you're not going to hate. In fact, if you really obey that commandment, you're going to forgive every person all the wrong that they've done to you. Say, they don't have a right to be forgiven. Wait, wait a minute. Where do you get your right to be forgiven? Same place they get theirs. The finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross. And then Jesus moves into the issues of worship. He talks about how we ought to give, how we ought to pray. And again, this thing called forgiveness is right there in the middle. Then he talks about fasting. And now we're dealing with issues of the heart. You know, how many times have you done the right things because you were supposed to, but your heart 
Don't raise your hand yet. But your heart wasn't in it. Now you can raise your hand because we've all done that, right, man? Now, if you want your heart to be somewhere, put your money there. Put your treasure there. Put what is most valuable to you in that place. And that's where your heart's going to be. It doesn't have to be money. Some people value some, certain things more than money. Their greatest treasure. I think I told you the story of the lady in the nursing home whose greatest treasure was to be diagnosed with some new disease. And that was her whole reason for being there in the nursing home. She really wasn't that sick. But her family had, I guess, I don't know all the details, but anyway... She found her fulfillment in life in getting a new medicine and being diagnosed with it. You say, that's crazy. Pick up the newspaper. That's pretty sane. Now, isn't it? I mean, there's some really nutsy people living in this world, aren't they? And they do the craziest things. How many of you remember Evil Knievel? Does anybody remember him? I mean, some new stunt. I think his last real stunt was jumping the Snake River Canyons. Anybody remember that? That was the dumbest thing in the world. That was not a motorcycle. It was some kind of rocket with two wheels attached to it. And he, there, I mean, he was not taking a chance on not making it across. That thing had enough blast-off power to blow him clear across the canyon no matter what. Uh, it was silly. Why would somebody do all those things? Well, that was what his treasure was. He wanted people to look at him and say, you are crazy. I don't want that to be my treasure, amen? I want my treasure to be the things that nobody can take away from me. That's what the Bible says. Lay up your treasures in heaven. Amen. Then we come to these verses. Because it's hard to lay up your treasures in heaven when you have an opportunity to lay up your treasures here on earth. Now, isn't it? Because you can't see what's in heaven. But you can see what's here on earth. You wonder why Jesus talks about the site right after he talks about the treasure? Because we like to see things. Amen? And let's read those verses again. The light of the body is the eye. If therefore thine eye be single, thy whole body shall be full of light. But if thine eye be evil, thy whole body shall be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in thee be darkness, how great is that darkness. Now, most commentators, when they get to this passage right here, okay, uh, well, uh, this word single is only used two times in the Bible. And what they're talking about is they're talking about the Greek word from which the word single translated in our English is. But if we'll look in our Bibles, we'll find out that the word singleness or the state of being single is found three more times in the scripture. And if we'll just read those passages, which we will in a few moments, it's going to shed a lot of light 
on what Jesus is talking about, being light and being darkness, it says the light of the body is the eye. Now, how many of you, and you don't have to raise your hand and admit this or not, have tried to drink in the sunshine? I mean, you just opened your mouth and felt the warm glow of the sun. Now, don't do that too long because you can actually sunburn your tongue and other parts and be very under, very uncomfortable. But the doctor takes light and he sticks it in your ear and then he puts the finger on the other side so he can see what's in between, right? Uh, there are places where light can enter your body. But you, if your eyes were closed, you wouldn't know that the sun was shining down your mouth until you felt the sunburn. Uh, it wouldn't matter if it was going in your ear or up your nose or any of those things. You can't drown in sunlight. But when light penetrates the cornea of your eye and is focused by the retina on the optic nerve, and your brain begins to uh, translate and interpret all of those uh, signals that are being sent through the eye, all of a sudden there is a picture created. Where? In here. The picture's not in your eye. That's what sends the signal. The picture is created in your mind, is it not? Only the eye can take light and make your insides, your brain, understand what you're seeing. And sometimes you will have a reaction to what you're seeing. I, I wish I could have gotten a little video of this. I'm sure it was quite comical, but uh, we were staying there near a little lake, and there was a little road that ran around the lake. And uh, we have a little trailer that I hook on the back of my bicycle and put Esther and Philip in there. I mean, Esther and Joseph in there. And Philip rides his bike all by himself. And everybody, other member of the family, had a bicycle. And you could imagine there all those bicycles trailing right around the lake. I bet we were the most ridiculous-looking thing you ever saw. And we just rode around. I mean, you would see that. You'd, we got some smiles. I always wonder, I was leading the pack, and I always wonder at the back if they were still smiling or they were going, one, two, how many bikes do they got in this crazy family? And so, but we were very careful, especially with Philip riding all by himself, because there were cars coming on that road as well. And you could hear us the whole way around the lake, car, 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 when it got to Stephen. And what we were doing is we were taking action based upon what we saw to protect other members of our family. And if the car was coming up from behind, it started with Peter in the back, car, 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 all the way up until I heard and turned around and made sure that I got my little trailer off the back, off the side of the road so the car could pass us. And, and, but we were using our sight to protect ourselves. Now, 
That's what sight does. Amen? How many of you have walked past a restaurant? And as you got close, you started smelling something. But you weren't committed yet. Then you saw it. And there was no stopping. I don't care if they put a padlock and chain on the front of that place. You're going to go get a pair of bow cutters and get in there and get some of that that you saw in the window. Now, is seeing tasting? You haven't tasted the thing yet. You smelled, but you saw it. And that, that vision in your mind. Now, how many times have you seen something that looks so good? And you thought it smelled really good. And one taste told you that your senses were so wrong. Has that ever happened to anybody? I mean, your mind has one expectation. I mean, we could go on examples. My children did um, a little experiment. They mixed up, uh, I think it was lemonade. And then they put orange food coloring in it. And he said, Daddy, taste this. See what this tastes like. Well, it was orange. It was citrus. It tastes like an orange. And they laughed. No, 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 Daddy. That's lemonade. We put food coloring and it tricked you. You see, my eyes were seeing something. And it forced my taste buds to taste something that wasn't there. Not at all. I mean, it tasted orange to me. Why? Because it was orange in color. It had nothing to do with oranges. It wasn't a drop of orange flavoring or juice in the mixture. Now, Jesus is saying, listen, the light of the body is the eye. What you see and understand, you understand because you see it. Isn't that true? The picture's not in your eye. It's in your mind. And if we internalize that picture, it'll go a step deeper. And we can see things in our heart. You say, what do you mean? He loves me. Now, I'm sure people have done this with my wife and I many, many times. What in the world does she see in him? Well, you see, she's not looking with her eyes. She's looking with her heart. Amen? Love covereth a multitude of sins. Amen? And that's why women can put up with men. And that's why men can put up with women, too. Amen? Guys, where are you? Come on, I gave you an opportunity there to say something. And you missed it. Oh, did you miss it? Bad. Oh, well. Can we have a little fun as we study God's Word? Did, did I illustrate the truth that you sometimes see things down inside? You see things beyond what a picture that can be created in your mind with visual stimulus going through the optic nerve. There, there is more to sight than just visual images. This is what Jesus is talking about there. Jesus said in John, twice in the Bible, John chapter 8, the references are there, verse 12. John chapter 9, he said, I am the light 
of the world. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. Now, I tried to paint a picture with words here. Now, I want you to imagine a young man in handcuffs with a bloody face being carried by two officers. Here's your picture that you're looking at. Now, I've given you two different captions for the same picture. Caption number one is, Today, police brutality has reached an all-time low. Now, what are you looking at? You're looking at those police officers in their nice, shiny uniforms and that poor kid that's all busted up, and you're thinking about how these guys took advantage of them and how that they were using force that they shouldn't have been using and how that they were cruel. Well, caption number two puts it in an entirely different light. Thank God our brave policemen and policewomen were able to break up a bloody gang war and stop the violence in our streets. Now who are you looking at with contempt? That dirty, low-life, know-nothing, causing all these problems and innocent people getting caught in the crossfire. And you know what? We could be talking about the exact same event. It just depends on who writes the captions is what you see. How many of you have experienced that? You live in New York City. You ought to, you, you, it happens all the time. It depends on who's reporting. One thing we know as we study history, all historians are liars. Uh, there is no, no doubt about that because uh, uh, anyone who is recording the events of history can only record it by what they see and what they understand. If they were a young budding communist in the 60s, caption number one would have been right out there. If they were a little older, a World War II veteran, trying to figure out what had happened to their world 20 years after they had freed the world from tyranny, guess what? Caption number two fits exactly the same story, doesn't it? Now, as we look at things, we've got to understand, two people can look at the exact same thing and see something very different. You must have Facts. You must have more than just a visual image to understand what you are seeing. How many of you have been to an illusionist show? They call themselves magicians, but they're illusionists. They trick you. They make your eyes see things that are not happening. If he really cut the lady in half, it's 25 years to life. Isn't that true? But since he didn't really cut the lady in half, he just made it look that way, people pay hundreds of dollars to go watch their senses be tricked. Say, you spoil everything, don't you, preacher? Listen, I don't want 
your spiritual senses to undergo the same thing that your physical senses do. Because there are many more spiritual illusionists, spiritual tricksters, than there ever have been. Those in the physical realm. And this is what Jesus is talking about. He said, If therefore thine eye be single, thy whole body shall be full of light. Now, I told you before, single, the word single, the Greek word from which we get the English word, is used twice in our Bible, and it's in parallel passages. Jesus is saying the exact same thing. So what is that going to help us in understanding the word? Now, this is one of the reasons why I believe that you ought to understand your English first. You see, the word single and the word singleness are connected. The word single means being alone. The word, sing the word singleness, it means in a state of being single. Now, let's look up the passages here, the three passages that are used this, look at Acts chapter 2, verse 46, and if you want a lesson on how to study and understand your Bible, here's a very good lesson, a little practice. We can do this because there's only three other places here, and we'll try to do this very quickly, but we're going down to verse 46, and they continued da continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, did eat their meat with gladness, and singleness of heart, verse 47, praising God and having favor with all the people, and the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. Now that word singleness is describing the way things were in the very first church in the city of Jerusalem. Peter had preached the sermon on the day of Pentecost, the feast of first fruits. There had been about 3,000 men, 3,000 souls, I'm sorry, that were added to the church that day. They gladly received his word. It says, and they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. I just got a letter from some people who actually claim to be former members of our church but haven't visited in years, and so I didn't know why they made that claim. And they said, we want to go to a different church, and we want you to send us a letter I said, well, here, I just wrote him a, a reply. I said, here's the only problem. The church you want to go to does not teach true doctrine. Therefore, we can't send a letter recommending you to that church because we don't want you to join a church that doesn't teach true doctrine. You say, Pastor, that's, that's kind of narrow, isn't it? Yeah, uh, it is. But so is God's word. You see, that steadfastness, that, uh, I'm sorry, that singleness of heart came from continuing in the apostles' doctrine. If you're going to see, if your eye's going to be single, you've got to be correct and in agreement about what you believe about this book called the Bible. That's not too hard to comprehend, I don't think, right? I mean, that's what the church is about. We, we hear the cry for unity, unity. We need unity in the body of Christ today. 
And I say, amen, we need unity at Open Door Bible Baptist Church, which is the body of Christ, amen? The local church is where we need unity as we serve God together right here in the body of the local assembly. You say, well, don't you believe in, in this universal invisible body? No, I don't believe in a universal invisible anything. You see, one day, every saved person is going to be assembled together in heaven. Did you get the key, though? One day, it's not today. That church doesn't exist because some of us are here on earth and some of us are already in heaven. And depending on when the Lord Jesus Christ comes back, some may not have even been born yet. But one day, we're all going to be together in one place and then it will be a church. But is God captivated by time? Does he not see the end from the beginning and the beginning from the end. So therefore, God speaks of the finished product. It takes a theologian to really confuse things and get people all messed up and believing in a universal invisible something. There's not anything. Well, I shouldn't say there's not anything. If the president gets his way on health care coverage, we may actually see a universal invisible because there won't be any health care coverage, but you'll have it. Um, that's the scary thought. But that's as close as you're going to get on earth to a universal invisible anything. It's going to be something everybody has, but it doesn't do anything. Uh, that is frightening to me, and yet people, they talk about, listen, if your eye be single, where was that singleness of heart? Remember, you don't only see in your mind, you see with your heart as well now, don't you? The other two passages here are in Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 5 and Colossians chapter 3 and verse 22, both written by the Apostle Paul, both saying basically the same thing. They are parallel passages, so we'll just go to the first one for sake of time, Ephesians chapter 6. In verse 5, it says, Servants, be obedient to them that are your masters according to the flesh, with fear and trembling, in singleness of your heart as unto Christ. It says, listen, if you've got a duty to perform, you don't worry about who that master is. You do your duty with singleness of heart as unto Christ. Now, can you be the best bartender in the world for Jesus Christ? Now, I'm being ridiculous, aren't I? But I'm trying to bring forth a point. You can't do that to Jesus Christ for him. But if you have a duty to perform, you ought to be a good employer, employee. Amen? You ought to do your work with singleness of heart because... Jesus wants us to have a real testimony in this world. He says, let your, what? Light so shine before men. Does anybody remember where that verse is found? It's in the Sermon on the Mount. We covered it several months ago. And uh, we're coming through here. 
And Jesus is going to cycle this thing again and again because what he started out with the sermon, he wants to illustrate how we're going to live that in our daily life. When we think of the word single, how many, does anybody remember the sermon, Blessed are the pure in heart? And Pastor, we've had 33 sermons. I can't remember all of that. But the idea of pureness in heart is having a heart that has only one desire. Now, let's go back to Matthew chapter 5 and touch on this very quickly here if we can. You see, we start in chapter 3 with being poor in spirit. That means spiritually I am destitute. I cannot get what I need. I cannot obtain it. I cannot uh, be what God wants me to be. I am poor. And if I'm poor, that means I do not have the ability to get that which is necessary. You cannot get saved by your own efforts. That's why you're poor in spirit. After you understand your poorness in spirit, that is going to cause you to mourn. Now, the world gets all caught up. You ought to be sorry for your sins. And sometimes we as parents really do a disservice to our children by saying, now you say you're sorry, when they are not sorry in the least. Mourning is a net. No one has to tell you to mourn when someone you love has passed away. Now, do they? It's just a natural response now, isn't it? If we really understand this poorness in spirit, it's going to make us mourn over all the things that we have done to hurt and injure our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Then we come to meekness. You see, I'm not operating in my authority. I'm operating under his authority and his direction. That is meekness. Moses was being meek when he stuck his finger in Pharaoh's face and said, let my people go. He was being meek when he sent the plagues upon Egypt. He was being meek because he was doing what God told him to do with only the ability that God could give. Amen? Now, when we learn how to live in this wicked world with the strength that Jesus Christ gives us, what is that going to do to us? going to make us hunger and thirst after righteousness. You see, we don't naturally want the things of God. We've got to get our taste, our desires tuned through the understanding of our poorness, through our mourning, and then by operating under His authority we finally can begin to desire the right things. After we desire these right things, then we can be merciful. Because I'm not forgiving a person because I'm such a good person I can forgive them. I'm forgiving a person their wrongs against me because I finally understand God's mercy to me. 
Mercy can only be given by the victor. When you allow someone to control your emotions and your desires and to consume you with bitterness and unforgiveness, they have a lock on your spirit that is tighter than the bars of any prison devised by man. Only when you understand God's mercy can you be the victor and say, I'm not going to allow your evil towards me to rob me of the joy that Jesus wants me to have. I'm going to show mercy to you, not as someone you have conquered, but as Jesus has conquered and paid the price for every sin. I'm not going to add to your sin more by fighting against you. Amen? Now these are, this is as deep as it gets. But once you're merciful, guess what? Then you can be pure in heart. You see, we all want to be pure in heart first. But I'm here to tell you, your heart can't be pure until it's been controlled by all of these other things. Then you can have a pure heart. That pure heart only wants one thing the glorification of Jesus Christ. Every Sunday we have a worship service. That's what the goal of our worship service is. When we worship Jesus Christ, we are trying to extol or exalt His goodness. And as we grapple with the goodness of God, the weight of that goodness is going to press us down because I'm going to get rid of me and I'm going to talk about him. That's what worship really is. That's why we don't want all the accoutrements of the world. We want no distractions. We want to have a pure heart in our glorification of Jesus Christ. And that can happen and should happen every day that we live. Amen? Jesus is going to keep coming back. And he's saying, listen, the light of the body is the eye. That's where the light comes in. That's where you see and understand. And we're not going to have time to get through two verses tonight. I'm sorry about that. Um, uh, we'll, we'll just have to stop right here. But it says, listen, if thine eye be single, thy whole body shall be full of light. Now, let's talk just a few minutes and then we'll conclude right here. As we start in, in chapter 6, started in chapter 6 weeks ago, and we went through, it says, when you give, when you give your alms, when you uh, do your giving, it says, but verse 3, But when thou doest thine alms, let not thy left hand know what thy right hand doeth, that thine alms may be in secret, that, and thy Father which seeth in secret himself shall reward thee openly. Now let's skip down to verse 6. But thou, when thou prayest, enter into thy closet. When thou hast shut thy door, pray to the Father, thy Father which is in secret, and thy Father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. Verse 18, 
that thou appear not unto men to fast, but unto thy Father which is in secret, and thy Father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. Now, I always knew that this idea of rewarding openly was talking about in heaven at the judgment seat of Christ. But tonight, as I was putting this together, it dawned on me, why was God going to reward us openly at the judgment seat of Christ and not here on earth? Well, it's very simple. There's only one place in history where only God will get the glory for every good thing accomplished in your life. Where is that going to be? At the judgment seat of Christ. You see, when a person with an evil eye sees you do something good, what do they think? Well, that's a religious fanatic. They got something up their sleeve. They're trying to control you. They're going to mesmerize you. They're going to brainwash you. They're... Before long, you'll be drinking Kool-Aid in the basement and everybody's going to die. I mean... That's what the world thinks. You can take the most wonderful thing that you do through the power of the Lord Jesus Christ. And someone whose eye is not seeing truthfully will reckon it up to evil. That's what the second half of this is all about. There is only one place in all of history where every good deed will only bring glory to God. That's why God waits until the judgment seat of Christ. Because he does not want any man, any woman, any living human being stealing one bit of his glory or worship. You say, why not? Because once we allow ourselves to begin to think good, about ourselves and our efforts, we immediately destroy every good thing that we've done. Because if it isn't from God, it isn't good. Amen? I mean, you really got to think about these things. You're not going to hear these things in normal church. And you can pick up any commentary off the shelf you want. You're not going to find these things written in the commentaries. Because they want to sell commentaries. And if they tell you how rotten and wicked you are, you're not going to buy the commentary anymore. By the way, the people who really want to know those things, there's not enough of us to merit huge printings of, uh, of books by people who don't even want to begin to understand these things. Jesus said, listen, if thine eye be single, thy whole body shall be full of light. I've had people say, well, Pastor Montoro, you've, you've sacrificed a lot to do what you do. And no, I haven't. That, that idea is, is just, we just got to get that out of our head. What could you give up for Jesus? What can you give up for him? I'll give up my prestige. He left heaven's glory to die on an old rugged cross, to be spit on by the very men he created. Uh, are you going to improve on that? Don't think so. There's nothing you can give up or sacrifice for God. 
Paul said it. And do count them but dung that I may win Christ. Listen. Who is the light? Jesus is the light. When I have light in these eyes, I am seeing the things that Jesus wants me to see, the way he wants me to see it. You see, if I understand things the way God understands it, then I'm right. Some people say, you, you preachers, you say, you're just so dogmatic. Well, if God said it's right, then I'm pretty sure that I'm right if I agree with God. Amen. Is that okay? And I'm pretty sure you're wrong if you disagree with God. Not because I'm trying to be mean. And, and by the way, it's not me that's right. It's God that's right. I'm not, he's not on my side. I, I'm trying to be on his side, amen? Every good thing that happens, happens because of him. You're not going to do right if you can't see right. Our prayer needs to be, Lord, open my eyes that I can really see what you want me to see. Don't ask these silly questions, what would Jesus do? We know what Jesus did. He raised the dead. He opened the eyes of the blind. He, he did away with every sickness. He cast out the demons. Let me tell you something. You're not going to do any of those things. I don't care if you are Benny Hinn. Not going to happen. But if you'll let his light fill your soul, you'll see what he wants you to see. And those hard things, quote unquote, to do serving Jesus Christ, all of a sudden won't be so hard anymore. Those great sacrifices that you think you, can make, you have to make to serve Christ, well, I'll tell you what, there's nothing I gave up in my life that Jesus Christ hasn't given me back a thousand times better. Buddy, I don't want it. I want to see it. I don't want what the world has. I want to see the truth so that when I stand before God, He will judge me according to his word. Amen? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you, and Lord, we've tread on some pretty deep things tonight. We have discussed some of the greatest truths in all the Bible. Lord, I pray that we would not plumb these depths and come up with just an understanding. I pray that we would have our eyes open to see what is in your word. I pray, Lord, that our eyes would be single, that our body would be filled with light, that we would see things the way you want us to see and understand things.
We ask, Lord, that you would help us. And Lord, if there be one here tonight that is unsaved, our prayer is that they would see their need of salvation. And even this night, be willing to turn their heart and life over to you to be saved. Lord, we pray these things in your precious name. Amen. Let's...